Hello, Second Chancers. As always, it is my pleasure that you've joined me for today's podcast of Second Chance Coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I'd very much appreciate it as it will help dynamic people such as yourself to optimally discover this podcast and add it to their library of favorite podcasts. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I love to work with you one-on-one, whether you are a returning citizen or coaching client seeking your second chance, or you could be a representative of a business, college, or university seeking to integrate and support returning citizens in your organizational and learning environments. Feel free to contact me at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. I'd like to thank you guys, all, as always, for supporting us in our worldwide audience, and I'd like to welcome our people in Pakistan. We have listeners from Pakistan, so I want to welcome you to the Second Chance family. Today, we have a very special guest. We have the soon-to-be Dr. Kevin Johnson joining us today at Second Chance Coaching to talk about his book, The Stereotypes of the Black Male. So I'll give a little introduction to our, to our guest, and then we, we will get into it with the soon-to-be Dr. Johnson. Kevin Johnson is the CEO and president of Johnson Management Group. Um, Mr. Johnson has always had a passion for sports. He is currently a doctoral candidate of business administration and sports administration. But I have to correct, he's no longer a candidate. He has successfully defended his dissertation, and he'll soon be Dr. Johnson at the end of this term. Um, Dr. Johnson's experience coupled with education has been a great asset to the sports industry for many years. His academic experience as a professor has led him to teaching a plethora of business administration and sports management courses. Dr. Johnson's love of sports was also displayed on the court as he was also a collegiate athlete and a collegiate head coach in basketball. He has, an, he has established a proven track record for a winning program on the court as well as in the classroom. In his professional career, he has worked for two major sports teams in South Florida. Dr. Johnson and the JMG team have represented many clients over the years from various sports, from the NFL, NBA, WNBA, and Olympic athletes. He is currently the host of his own podcast, Life After Sports, which you could hear on Apple iTunes, YouTube, and you can see it go live on Instagram and in and, and all various places where you get your podcasting platforms. You could also find him on Instagram at drkevinjohnson, that's D-R-K-E-V-I-N, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, also at johnsonmig at L-A-S underscore podcast. And with that, we welcome the soon-to-be, and we're just going to say Dr. Johnson. We welcome Dr. Johnson, Dr. Kevin Johnson to Second Second Chance Coaching to talk to us about your book, Stereotypes of the Black Male. We welcome you, sir. So please, we welcome you to Second Chance Coaching and let us, let us know a little more about yourself that I might not have covered in your in your introduction. Dr. Lewis, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me to, to be here tonight to just talk about the book, talk about myself. And I'm just, it's a pleasure to be a guest on your show. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and uh, to reaching out to me. And uh, you've been a great asset in my life uh, from all different aspects. So I'm, I'm glad to be a part of the show tonight. And and to go deep a little bit into my journey, um, and I'm excited to be here. That's great. That's great. Talk to us a little bit about this collaborative authorship project, Stereotypes of the Black Male. Talk to us a little bit about that. <clears throat> so the uh, the book, um, the publisher, uh, her name is Sajay Price. Uh, she, uh, Dr. Sajay Price at that. Uh, we actually went to college together, and she reached out to me about a couple years ago about 
her writing a book, um, and she wanted me to be uh, a co-author in the book, and with along with five or four other gentlemen. And when I say the each stories of each gentleman in the book is so important and so uh, impact, it's it's so it's it's so I don't I mean I don't even know how the words to put it, but each story is different and is blended differently. And so neither our stories as the as co-authors are the same. Uh, one of the authors, he's actually uh, in the movie of uh, American Skin, which is um, a Spike Lee uh, directed movie. Um, and if you haven't seen it, please go out and see it. Um, but just to let you know that those are the different type of components or, uh, of authors that are in the book. Um, and it's just us telling our story from, you know, uh, the stereotype of the black male and what we've experienced as individuals and our experiences are all different um, but the fact that we are all different as black men but we've all experienced this situation no matter where uh, a point in our lives we we we've, uh, um, have ran into uh, the stereotypes of being a black male in America absolutely absolutely this is a this is a pretty unique authorship because there was multiple authors and it was published it could be published you could purchase it under each author's name correct correct correct, okay. correct. and i love it that way um dr price actually gave us the opportunity to to be a part of this project but also to share our story uh and also be able to uh share the book with our name being on the book so if you, you can purchase the book on uh, uh barnes and noble as well as on our websites, we all have uh, access to uh, um, being able to, to uh, receive um, buying from the book. So if you would like to purchase the book, we'll, I'll definitely show you uh, where you can go on my Instagram at, at, Dr., uh, at Dr. Kevin Johnson and go to the LinkedIn bio and you can be able to purchase the book there. But it's also on, uh, on uh, other platforms as well. Okay. One of the, the chapter that you wrote in the book talks about underestimated but never divested so i read the chapter it was very interesting <laughs> but i know for those of those those of us in the audience that will that will purchase and look at the book tell us about your contribution and tell us what underestimated but never divested means so that topic for me uh underestimated but never divested uh, I, that topic speaks to my journey dr lewis uh it speaks to my journey because i felt that i was always underestimated you know, you apply for jobs. You may you may be too, way too qualified uh, to uh, to qualify for the job based on your resume. Um, and then you know you you get the job. <clears throat> you know you 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 feel you're underestimated, but then you're never divested. Divested. The, the definition of divested means to deprive someone of power, rights, or possessions. And so yes, I felt like I've been underestimated in regards to my career, um, but never divested. I've never let I never let me be an underestimated and let somebody take the power away or my rights away um, of where I should be uh, or who I think that I am, because I think that's important. If you are not able to understand who you are as a person, understand your identity, self-assess uh, and understand who you are, then you will become what other people expect you to be. And I think that is so important because um, we live in a society today where, especially with the social media, everyone wants instant, instant success. They don't understand what delayed gratification is. And so uh, I feel like my life has been delayed gratification. 
I mean, if I can, uh, and I can talk about my doctorate degree. I started in 2012, um, but I've also had my business uh, doing uh, Johnson Management Group, which is, uh, you know, um, working with athletes, helping them with management, marketing, brand development, and philanthropy. And my business took off. I started a doctoral program at University of Maryland, University College. I was there for a year and a half, but I was enrolled in the wrong program. Um, it wasn't for what I saw myself to be doing uh, later down in the future. And so I had to, uh, you know, take some time to rethink, is this really what I want to do? And then my business career took off. And then I, you know, with business, you know, you, you go up, you come down as an entrepreneur, you know that. that it's a that, roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. Yes. And if you're not ready for the roller coaster, if you're not ready to put your seatbelt on and fasten and be ready for the, be ready for this journey, um, you know, then maybe you should not jump into being an entrepreneur. And I know a lot of people say, I'm an entrepreneur, but no, no, you're really not. You know, it goes a lot into being an entrepreneur because you put all your eggs in that basket. And if, and if it doesn't work, you're back at the total point, your starting point. Like, okay, where do I go from now? And so uh, I've had that, the ups and downs within that journey. And I said, you know what, I, I need to finish what I started. And so um, there was a slogan when I was at Broward College back in the days, finish what you start. Yes, yes. And so when you talk about finishing what you start, I decided, I said, I need to go back I found a program that was beneficial for me at St. Thomas University, uh, a doctorate of business administration with a concentration in sports administration. And um, I knew the professors there and I decided to go back in, you know, 2016, I enrolled back in uh, fall semester. And to look back now, four or five years later, I'm finishing the journey. And so, you know, for those of you who are, may have given up on your dreams or uh, or have gotten sidetracked based on family, career, or other things that has happened, I want to be a testament to you to never give up on your dreams. And if, the, uh, you know, delayed doesn't mean denied, all right? Delayed does not mean denied, you know? Uh, things happen in your life for a reason and God is always watching and he's always gonna be there to see you through. So um, back to, you know, to, to the topic, you know, underestimated but never divested, I think that's just a testament to the experiences that I faced. Uh, growing up and in and, and my adult career and I just felt like that was just a a great uh, topic to people to just look at underestimated but never divested I, I, I'm confused and so that's the reason how I was able to to pull those words together for that topic that's great and I love the underestimated but never divested it I loved it when I read the book and I love it even more now with your explanation behind it and given that story my next question for you in that chapter you discussed jumping from different schools when you were when you were when you were a child due to your behavior and nothing nefarious just as childhood behavior stuff that kids do and then you were misdiagnosed for ADHD but I would say in my research normally this type of behavior would be one of the foundations of having you be part of the school to prison pipeline that would be the typical solution would be to criminalize the person and the behavior and build prisons with your name on it instead of prospective colleges you could go to now, you're not a returning citizen, you've never been incarcerated, but talk to us about how, how did your path take you from being the trouble kid, quote unquote, to having that positive outcome without becoming a negative statistic? That's a great question. And I think that the, the easy answer for that is mentorship and being able to go in the classroom and see black males as role models that were my not professors, but teachers, instructors at that particular time in my early childhood. Um, when I, in, in the book I talk about it, I said early in my childhood, um, I'm in school with 
90% of the, the, the teachers, or 100% of the teachers at that time was were women, all right? 90% of them are Caucasian women. And so when you look at that, you know, you get a kid that's coming from a Caribbean uh, childhood where he's just active. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing the work, I'm finished with the work, and now I'm looking for something else to do. And so if you're in a structure where you're, you are working, uh, you're in a classroom, you're working on your work, and then you're done, and the teacher's telling you to sit down and wait. Now you have to wait for the other 20 students to be finished with their work so that you can be able to move on to the next section with everyone else. When you really take a look at that, that's not how the real wor world works. You know, you may work for a company, but there's a job title to what you're doing, and there's a timeline to what you're doing. So when you really look at the translation from your uh, learning at an early child, as an early child, say, hey, you, okay, you finish your work, just sit down and be patient and wait. When you get into the real world, it's not like that. You work on your project, there's a timeline, you better meet that timeline so you can get on to the next project. And there's not one person, everybody's not waiting for your project. Your project needs to be done so that you can get on to the next. So saying that, you know, the, I was misdiagnosed at that particular time. I, uh, they asked my parents to, that I need to see a behavioral specialist. Um, coming from, uh, I'm a first generation uh, kid from two immigrants uh, that are that were born and raised in Guyana. My mom and dad from uh, Georgetown, Guyana, in South America. Mm -hmm. And so this is new to them. You know, they. They didn't have that going to school where, you know, it's either you get a whooping for what you didn't do and you go back to school and you do the right thing. Now they're, I'm being asked to see a behavioral specialist. So my parents, you know, went through the protocol and uh, went to the doctors and they said, hey, you know, maybe we put him on some Ritalin and then hopefully, you know, his behavior changed. I was on there for one week, Dr. Lewis, and my parents said, we got to get him off of this immediately wow. because his behavior is not norm. He's way too quiet. He's not talking. He's not speaking. And so when you think about that, just the what that drug does to a kid, that's like a grown adult smoking marijuana. And it numbs you for a while. So if you're doing that to a kid that's a seven or eight years old, nine years old, and you're numbing them from their behavior because you want them to focus they have to be something different in that, different measures. And I think that was just an early way. And we, we're, if we're talking about, you know, in regards to um, the jail system and how they're able to put kids, uh, and I think it's the greatest, third or fourth grade, they're able to figure out, excuse me, depending on how many, you know, if the kids could read at that age, at that level, if they're going to be, they need to build more prisons yes, at that yes, age. Yes. And so when you think about it, that's third, fourth grade, and they're putting me on Ritalin at that particular time. I had professor teachers tell me at that time, hey, you're, you're going to be working at McDonald's because you can't sit down. You can't concentrate. You can't, you know, instead of saying, hey, these are the things that you're doing well. And for me, it was hard because I wasn't, I was going to a school where I didn't see people who looked like me. And so... Um, until I was able to get out of that school, my parents took me off of Ridland after that week, and I went to uh, a, a New River Middle School, and I was able to see mentors, see coaches and people that look like me as black males. I think that's important as role models. We don't see that in the classroom. It's very hard for our black male students to be able to articulate well because obviously they don't see anybody that looks like them, so their behavior may be different. They don't see anybody that they can be able to ask for guidance. And so I was able to get that when I went to that middle school. And my behavior totally changed, totally changed. And I think it was because of the atmosphere. 
And I think sometimes parents need to be a little bit more cognizant of the atmosphere of where their kids are in regards to the school, not listening to one. If you went to one doctor and they said your kid needs to be on you know, whatever drugs to be able to suppress his behavior, I think you need to get that checked. Go to three different doctors if you need to. And that's all I'm saying because I think, you know, you get one, you know, if, if something happened to you, like I, I, I injured my Achilles, I didn't go to one doctor to be able to figure out if I needed surgery. I went to three different doctors. That's the same. I think that that same approach needs to be the approach to parents who are trying to figure out their kid needs additional help. Okay. All right. Thank you. I've had, Kevin, I've had a lot of conversations with numerous people who have honestly shared with me, and I'm quite sure they've shared it with you that especially in this day and age, they are tired of talking about quote unquote black issues and situations always being a quote unquote black thing. Why is it still important to address and destroy stereotypes regarding black males in today's society? Well, I mean, it's important to bring it up because it still is an issue. You know, we we sit here and we talk and I'm going to talk about that, but is, is redlining still an issue in today's world? Yes, so <laughs> if redlining is still, ex- is one, still of the, exists, one of the many issues still yeah, still and so if that exists and I'm part of this organization called Children's uh, Literacy Initiative and, and pretty much the initiative is a mission to help uh, kids uh, that are African American and Latinx uh, to help them in regarding to reading and be able to, uh, if they're uh, underprivileged or underdeserved communities, to be able to help those communities and fund them so that we can be able to help um, those racial profiling in regards to why are we not moving the needle for those kids? Why are they not getting the same help? They're in a different community. They're not getting the same resources. And we expect them to be uh, able to do the things of what other kids that don't look like them to do. It's, it's totally different. And so... Um, you know, back to the book, you know, I, I think those stereotypes still exist today. And so as I talk about redlining, if we don't bring it to the forefront, I mean, if we don't have, uh, you know, uh, mentors and, and people of celebrity status and the president and, 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 and them to to push these different things that can be able to help uh, people of color, I think it makes it very hard. It makes it challenging. And I think the issues are going to still prevail. But if we're talking about it and we're trying to figure out ways to make changes, I think it allows people to have a, a, a bigger picture and to know that this, this, it exists. And we need to figure out how can we approach it to be able to help these students along the way. Okay, thank you. As a coach mentor to various athletes, what would be some of your important points in providing mentorship to black males? Hmm. That's a great question. It's a great question, especially from my coaching aspect. And I've coached women's basketball for 10 years and uh, um, felt like, you know, you're a father figure and a mentor to these young. I was coaching women's basketball uh, as a head coach and assistant coach. And when you talk about mentorship, and I know you said black males, I'm going to say black males, black females as well. Um, uh, The important points of mentorship is that, you know, we need more people like me and you that are accessible and that are part of organizations that want to, we need to um, have people like myself and you to be a part of organizations that want to want to help the majority. And the majority is uh, 
you know, somebody was there to mentor me, Dr. Lewis. And if I didn't have those mentors in place, I don't think I would be where I am today. And so the so my thing is, you know, if we could be able to reach one to reach one, teach one, take our hands and be able to help bring somebody else up as an individual. If you're just doing it for one person, I think if we all we all take that approach. If we can't find organizations, but if we can be able to stretch our hand backward and to be able to bring somebody up that that we can see that needs the help, I think that we should do that. And so I was able to see that at an early age because my father would come to the school at Stranian High School and he would be a mentor to some of the students at my high school. And so it was so funny because I would see my dad at lunchtime. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing here? I'm here mentoring uh, so-and-so, this kid here. And I'm thinking to myself, my dad has a full-time job. My dad is a minister. He has his own church. And he works full-time still. And he still finds time to make sure that he's dropping me off to school, making sure that I'm playing the sports that I would like to play. And he picks me up. And then find time to come and mentor somebody else's kid. And so I seen it. I seen the, the, the original blueprint from from my dad. And so when you talk about the, 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 the points, the important points, I mean, we just need to be out there, be more visible so that we can be able to help others. And I seen it firsthand. So for me, I will be doing the same thing when I have kids, you know, uh, or if I don't have any kids. But I mean, I'm going to go back to the schools and, and be able to help and be able to put my information out there so that I can be able to help another kid and and give them the information and the keys and the tools to success because maybe they didn't have a black male role model to do that. Okay, that's great, that's great. Your dissertation, the dissertation that you just completed addresses social justice and athletes. Can you give us more insight as to the, some of the details of your dissertation and why did you think it was imp it was an important topic for your research? Absolutely. So my, my, my dissertation topic is the perception of professional athletes' social activism on their career, financial, social, and longevity. And so, uh, you know, we had a lot of things that transpired in 2016 with the Colin Kaepernick taking a kneel, uh, Eric Reed, Michael Thomas, Kenny Steels, Jelani Jenkins, and the list can go on and on and on, LeBron James. Uh, you know, just different athletes taking a stance for something. And, you know, uh, the reason I did the studies because I I was so enamored by the information and about the athletes who took who, who pretty much laid their lives on the line for something that they believe. And we live in a country now where you know, I know we people stand up and they say the, you know, the national anthem. But do they really hear the words of the national anthem? And as a country, are we? living up to what those words are as uh, uh, that is written in law, uh, the national anthem. Are we living up to that? And, you know, the reason that Colin took took the knee was because the words that were coming out of, you know, the person singing the national anthem wasn't a reflection of what was happening in the country. And so when you start to take a look at that and then you look at other people that came before Colin, you got the Muhammad Ali's, you got the uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, you have Malcolm X, all these other people who were talking about the inequality that was happening in this country in the 1960s. And then you talk about, you know, the Jackie Robinsons and and sports has been a major component uh, in this world, uh, has been a major component for over 230 years. Um, and so when you look at the, the things that has transpired from the 1910 with Jack Johnson, 
and them passing the white slave traffic uh, traffic. I think it was the Traffic Act in regards to people going from different uh, different, different states. Different states. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it, a lot of it was athletes taking a stand or activists taking a stand and uh, the Black Panther Party taking a stand for what they believe. Um, and I, I think for uh, as a country, we just need to take a step back and, and look at that. It's something that's been happening for years. And why is it coming up again? And it's coming up again and it's coming up again. And we start hearing these, you know, these about these uh, people would say accidents. I don't say these accidents, but these things that's happening where people are getting shot and killed. Um, the George Floyd, I mean, the Tamir Rice. Um, the Trayvon Martin. I mean, the list can continue to go on and on. Way too many. And names. it's way too many names. And then mm-hmm. now you have people just saying, "Look, this this has to stop." You know, um, and, and LeBron he said it, and he's like, "My kids are black, and they have to. I have to explain to them why this kid got killed, why Trayvon got killed, and I have to explain." And Dwayne Wade said the same thing. And I think when it starts to hit close to home, you have people to make an uproar about it because they know that this is this is way too much, and this is what the society, this is what we're raising our kids. Uh, in this type of society, we have to start giving them information and giving them the tools that they need earlier than what we expected or needed to them to have or needed to be. But uh, with social media, it makes it so much. <laughs> it's a lot of information at one time. And so for parents that you know are raising kids, that they have to be able to give that information to their kids about what's happening with racism and systemic racism um, now. Um, so in regards to you know my dissertation, I just thought that it was, I was, I was passionate about it, you know, uh, about learning and understanding uh, this about this journey in regards to what's had what has happened and what has transpired from 2016, and then not only with the Colin Kaepernick but what has taken place in history, and so in order to know and how to move the needle from what's going on now, you need to go do your R and D research and development, go back. And take a look at what has happened and transpired in the past. So went from the 1968 Olympics with John Carlos and Dr. John Carlos and Tommy Smith, Peter Norman, all those guys, and Dr. Harry Edwards that also played a pivotal role uh, in the uh, in the boycott movement in the Olympics. So that was my reason for doing this topic. That's what motivated me. I actually had a learning. I think I took it took me longer than what I expected to finish this process with this dissertation, Dr. Lewis, because I was enamored by the information and it just took me so time because I was invested in what I was in this artwork. I consider dissertation artwork. It is. It is. I was, I was painting in the canvas for four or five years. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to be able to come through now and, and to see the final product, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. That's wonderful. Doc, um, one in three black or African-American males will have been incarcerated at some point in their lives, which is part of the bigger carceral problem in the United States, where we, the United States, are the home of 25% and unfortunately rising of the world's incarcerated population. After your experiences on this project, the stereotypes of the black male and and other projects that you've done before, as you explained to us, what do you think would be the solution to balance our nation's desire to over-incarcerate as well as the disproportionate criminalization and incarceration of black males? I think we need it. Don't laugh at me for this response, but I don't know. I, I follow sports very big. I follow, I follow sports a lot. And um, I love what LeBron James is doing in regards to the I Promise School. And I think if we have, and and I'm he's not the only or the first person to start his own school. 
Um, Jalen Rose has his own academy as well, and there's numerous of other players who have started and they have their own charter school. But I think in regards to helping out, especially with the you know one in one in every three Black African American males that are being incarcerated, um, being able for uh, players that are African American or of a different descent. Uh, if they're going back and they're reaching back into their communities, they're pulling their resources that they have and they're pumping it back into the to the same uh, community that they were raised. And they know that the things that are out there, the drugs, uh, the access to, uh, you know, being picked up on the street for all different type of stuff the you know, the shooting and all the different type of things. If you're if we're going back into those communities and we're putting back, we're giving them the right resources to help those students to be able to go through those situations that were there before and it's always been there because of course of redlining um, which plays another impact into that but if we have players and celebrities and 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 these different um, if we can have some laws that could be able to be changed and I know it takes people of us like-minded individuals to be in those places to make the right uh, selections in regards to voting we can do that it, it would be able to help the situation in regards to um, the disproportionate uh, criminalization and, 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 and African-Americans being incarcerated. I think that's important. So people like me and you just being able to give back and be able to reach one, but also pulling our resources together. And that's why I, I am enamored and I, I look up to LeBron James in regards to what he's done with his platform, not only just on the social injustice issues, but the way he has given back to his community in Akron, Ohio, to be able to, to put back into the public schools there in Akron, I think is important. If we can be able to get people to do that in every state, we can change the world. Dr. That's Lewis, right. That's we can right. Change the world. He, so he doesn't just shut up and dribble. He definitely puts his money where his mouth Put, is. He puts his money where his mouth is, and I believe people don't think that he has the power. But I love the way that he uses it and he flaunts it and he does it the right way. Many people might not like him. I love him on the basketball court, but I love him even better as a man that is about his, you know, about action. And he's doing he's doing the work. He's doing the work. Because his impact off the court is gonna long is gonna be the lasting legacy yeah, that he's gonna has. supersede what he's done on the court. And what he's done on the court is phenomenal. Absolutely. Well, once again, the book is Stereotypes of the Black Male, Changing the Narrative for Misunderstood Black Males One Story at a Time. It is a bestseller. You could find it's by Kevin Johnson and a collection of other black male authors. So, um, and this is, and once again, you said this was a project that was put together by Dr. Price and the other, Dr. Price did the introduction and Anthony Durrell, Nigel Flores, Khalil Green, Anthony Hendricks, and of course, our guest Kevin Johnson was all a part of this great project. So you could find Stereotypes of the Black Male um, by Kevin Johnson. You could find it on Amazon. You could find it on Barnes and Noble. Yes. And so, so definitely make sure you support and show love. It's a, it's a, it's a very easy and, and it's a great impactful read. Um, but certainly, I, I'm so honored that that you decided to join us today. I have watched, witnessed your dissertation journey. I'm so happy to have been a part and honored and privileged to be a part of your dissertation journey. I'm glad that you're finished, and I'm glad that you are now part of the three percent club of the do oh, of doctors <laughs> <laughs> the three percent club and i'm look man I'm, I'm excited i'm very excited to be a part of that club and um you know i always tell people and uh in regards to you know people say success you know i'm, I'm i want to be successful uh I, my my purpose in life is to to bring value and if you are a person of value 
it's different than just being a person of success. You know, a lot of times people are chasing the money. I don't want to chase money. I want to chase a, I want to chase value. I want to be a person of value because if I'm a person of value, then I can be able to have the resources I need that I can be able to use to inspire and make change. Amen. So that. that is that is really what my purpose is, is to, is to inspire and make change. And you only can do that by being a person of value. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Kevin Johnson, he has his podcast, Life After Sports. So certainly feel free to follow him on either YouTube or Apple iTunes or wherever you find your favorite podcast. You can follow follow Dr. Johnson and keep in touch with him. But besides the podcast, how can our audience follow you on social media and keep in contact with you? You can keep engaged with me on IG. It's Dr. Kevin at Dr. Kevin Johnson. Uh, also, I'm on Facebook. It's Kevin Johnson. Um, feel free if you're if you would like to purchase my book, you can go on my uh, Instagram, um, go right on to the LinkedIn in my bio and you can be able to purchase the book. Now, if you're looking to have a book with my uh, if you would like to have a signed copy, you can just go ahead and send me a message in my in my direct message and then we can figure out the, the, the logistics from there. Um, but I, I'm very accessible. Feel free to just reach out. Um, and I love to hear people's story. If you know, if you have a story that I can be able to help or a testament to what you're doing, um, I, I definitely engage with with uh, with the fans, and I engage with other people who are just doing like-minded things to inspire and change the world. That's great, Dr. Johnson. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you again. I'm, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, hopefully, I get a chance to come back. <laughs> oh yes, you're <laughs> always welcome. Thank to come you back. so much, and I think this was a great opportunity just to talk about the journey. Um, but also to know, pe let people know that you have to fall in love with the process first. Absolutely. And once again, if you'd like to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, whether you're a returning citizen, coaching client, or representative of a business college or university, please feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Remember, if you've been blessed to see another day, you've been blessed with your second chance, so it's up to you to make the best of it. I love you all. Take care and see you next week. Thank you.